Come on, good morning, chapel. We love you. We love you. Thank you. Tell the person next to you, you look good. Come on, tell them you look good. You can be seated. Well, good morning. Add my welcome to the one that's already been given. If you're new with us, we are one church in a couple of different locations, and so we have live worship, but then we all uh, together join for the message. So I'd love to start off by just looking in the camera at the back of the room and saying good morning to the chapel in Richmond, Scott's edition. We love you guys. Love what God did Easter weekend in the city. Uh, we had our biggest ever Easter at the chapel in Richmond in the history of this church. And so thankful for that. I honor God for that. And uh, thankful for that. And then, of course, the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail and Virginia Department of Corrections. Come on. You are not a project to us. You're our people. And we're honored to be able to bring uh, who we are as a church into the jail and uh, excited about what God's doing. We had some really fun things happening even this weekend with God's work at life changing lives. And uh, man, well, before I, we're, we're starting a brand new series this week, but uh, before I tell you that, I want to just tell you two things. Uh, first of all, it's baptism today here at Midlothian. So. Um, if you're being baptized, I'll cut, there, there's a time in the message I'll say, hey, you can go get ready towards the end of the message, and I'll let you know that, and we'll make it real real clear, so just so you feel at ease that, that you'll know what that is. But I also want to say a huge thank you to you um, at the chapel. So many served, like you heard, you saw in that video, for Easter weekend. But we do this little survey every Easter weekend where we give people A, B, C, D a chance to express their faith. And this is really amazing to me. And, and we give glory to God that 282 people made commitments to Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, um, give God thanks and praise for that. This is why we exist as a church, to help people grow in their faith, but also to help introduce people to Jesus. We, we say around here, we exist to help people come to know God. And so it's fun to see people. It's fun to read those cards, the prayer requests, the prayer needs, even people in their journey of faith. Somebody said, I want to debate the pastor on the resurrection on your connect card. And so I'll be emailing you this week. And uh, <laughs> if I win, you pay for the coffee. That's how it works. Okay. Uh, but I know, but I love, I love the idea that people at different places of their faith can connect with us. And so thank you for all the ways you serve, multiple days, multiple services, middle school, all that kind of stuff. But we also give God praise. We had 105 at Chapel in Espanol on Easter weekend. Don't you love that? I mean, I just love that. And um, people worshiping Jesus in Spanish and uh, love what God's doing through Pastor Ismail and the team in this city. And then and then you, you saw this probably in the announcements, but just to let you know, this fills up real quick for us every year, uh, June 26 to 28, VBS. I think there's never been a more strategic time to invest in the next generation. How many know that's true? Never been a more strategic time. And so uh, make sure you sign up your kids. Uh, last couple of years, we've had to cap it. And so the team in Midlothian is trying to raise up extra leaders. And we're going to do two VBSs. We'll do in the morning uh, here in Midlothian and also in Scott's edition. And then we'll add at an evening uh, session. Just to make it clear, don't send your kids to both. <laughs> We're not be trying to take them all day. We ain't <laughs> We're like, this is great. I'll send them in the morning, get dinner at night. <laughs> That's kind of not what we're going for, okay? Uh, it's just an extra option, okay? An extra option and uh, to make space for more people to connect um, 
to Jesus. Well, uh, we're starting a brand new series today in the New Testament book of Acts. And, uh, you know, whenever you talk about uh, the Holy Spirit, people I know from different backgrounds, some get nervous. And I just want to promise you it's not going to be weird. Okay, it won't be weird. Um, But yet the Bible says that God exists, one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He exists as God the, come on, let's say them together, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit spirit. And, uh, but you know, we're in a church where so many different denominations. I sometimes say we're interdenominational because there's so many, every growth track, people are from so many different backgrounds and histories. And so I thought, you know, every, every denomination kind of approaches the Holy Spirit a little different. And I, it reminded me of a little, I, I want to start off by offending everyone today. And so, uh, how many charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? Okay. So we're going to do these. Okay. How many charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? Only one because their hands are already in the air, okay? How many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Change? Who said anything about change? How many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? Ten. One to change the light bulb and nine to bind the spirit of darkness. That's good. How many Catholics does it take to change a light bulb? None. They use candles, okay? How many Episcopalians does it take to change a light bulb? Ten. One to change it and nine to talk about how good the old one was. (laughs) I love this one. How many Church of Christ does it take to change a light bulb? None, because light bulbs aren't in the New Testament and therefore they're unscriptural. (laughs) And I have one more. I don't know why I included this one. How many chiropractors does it take to change? I don't know why I added this one. I just thought it was good. How many chiropractors does it take to change a light bulb? Just one, but it's going to take you six visits. You know that's so true. (laughs) You know, when you approach a subject like the Holy Spirit, people get nervous and they're uncertain. And I I promise you it won't get weird, but it's in the Bible. It's God's good plan to empower us for living. And um, Five degrees north and south of the equator is something called the intertropical convergence zone. It's five degrees north and south of the equator. It's this little band around the earth where the winds of the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere collide, and it creates this kind of neutral dead air, dead space. In fact, we we call it the doldrums. In fact, that's where we get the phrase doldrum. It's this area right north and south. The collision of of these opposite winds creates just almost a scary place. In fact, Sailors in past generations had to be careful in the center of this area because they could actually get caught in that area. Sailors could and, and sometimes die. There wasn't enough wind to, uh, to, to carry them. And, you know, that's where we get the word doldrums. And when I think of a lot of Christians, I wonder if some of us are living in the doldrums, right? Like, like we know that God has died on the cross and he saved us from our sins and he rose from the dead but we, we're living our lives stagnant and w- without fresh air and uh, maybe without the wind to fill our sails to take us where God has for us. And so I want over the next few weeks to look at the book of Acts, the early church, and, and just kind of issue a challenge to us, friends, that God, how, how many know God has more for us than just to exist in life? 
And, and he, he's designed, in fact, the word pneuma, spirit in the New Testament means wind or breath. In the Acts chapter two, a fresh wind came through. So there's something about the power of God that's designed to bring fresh air and fresh life and fresh power into our lives. And I believe God did more than die upon a cross to just deal with our sins. He also wanted to send his Holy Spirit to, to empower us to live an overcoming kind of life of victory. And so I'm gonna kind of challenge us. Is that okay for the next month? I'm gonna rattle the cage a little, kind of wake us up a little, okay? And, uh, and, and try to get us uh, where God wants to take us. Um, the other day, my daughter looked at her little fish tank and she said, I think my fish is dead. And I went and tapped the, the thing and it wasn't dead. It just was slowly dying. You know what I mean? I was like, do you clean this tank? You know what I mean? But, um, but uh, I, I, I was aware. No, you just tap on. So I'm just going to tap on the cage a little. Come on, somebody tap on the glass. Wake us all up, okay? And, and call us to what? How many want all that God has for you? Anybody want all that the Lord has for us? And so that's what we're going to look at from the book of Acts. And let me give you kind of the theme verse of the book of Acts right as we get going. Jesus is speaking to his followers. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus speaks of God giving us power, okay? And that power comes from the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, so that he would empower us to do something. In fact, this is the theme verse of Acts. If you were to outline the book of Acts, the gospel going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth is sort of how the book plays out. But it's a promise of God to not leave us powerless. I have great news. God has given us power, everybody. And he's given us strength. And if you're taking notes, just write this down this weekend. And if you're not taking notes, just write this down this weekend. Here it is. When Jesus left this world, his presence increased in this world. Now, this is a weird thing to say. I mean, how would it make sense that when Jesus leaves this world, that his presence increased? Well, because in his earthly form, Jesus was fully God, but also fully human. And he could only be in one place at one time. That means if Jesus was here physically and he was going home with you, he'd have to pick to go to first watch with some of you and, and the rest of you that really heard from the Lord to go to Cracker Barrel. Come on. And, and, but, 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 but how many know the Holy Spirit can go both places? Is that okay? Yeah. And, 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 and that's the truth that Jesus was limited. In fact, he said something interesting before he left. He said, it's very good, I'm telling you. It's good for you that I'm going away. Think of this. He looks at his followers and he says, it's actually better for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. But if I go, I'm going to send him to you. And so... Jesus actually tells his followers, it's good for me to leave this world because I'm sending you another power, the person of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will send who? Come on, somebody. Him. Let me just give you one little teaching. Um, the Holy Spirit is not an it. He's a person. Did you know he's a person? He has, so it's not it. It's not an impersonal force. It's, it's, it's used personal pronouns here, indicating that it's God's presence, the very person of God for us to have a relationship with. And, and Jesus says, it's going to be good for you if I leave, because when I do, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. He's going to fill you. He's going to empower you. He's going to lead you and guide you. Um, if you're under the age of 20, you probably don't know this, but there was a day when you bought a TV and it was more like a piece of furniture. How many know what I'm talking about? It looked like a dresser with a TV in the middle. Anybody remember these? 
so if you don't know, you don't know. I mean, these things were heavy and they were ornate. It looked like an armoire. If you're young and you're like, what's an armoire? It's like a dresser. It's just, it's just a TV with a dress. I remember, I remember the first time my family got a newer TV and, and we brought it home and we didn't get a TV stand for it, but we still had our old TV, the big one. And we did something. We, I couldn't believe we did this, but we did it. We used our old TV as our new TV stand. How many know what I'm talking about? We're like, we're going to get a new TV stand, but for now, this giant TV, we just put a TV on top of another TV. And uh, uh, anybody else do that? All day, no one has. So I feel worse about my family all day. And I remember, I remember like two years passed. It was in our downstairs area where the kids hung out. And, and my friend said to me, why do you have a TV on top of a TV? And it just occurred to me for the first time ever, oh my gosh, we still have a TV on top Does anybody notice this happens in your home? When you leave something long enough broken, you stop seeing it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I went went to a friend's house once, and they said, Alexa, turn on the Christmas tree, and it turned on a light. And I said, what is that? And he said, well, we never reprogrammed it. I plugged it into the different outlet. So all all of a sudden, it occurred to him, this is weird, you know. (laughs) But anybody know what I'm talking about, right? So here's what I've become convinced of. I've become convinced of the fact that it is true in our lives that sometimes we leave things the wrong way, but we stop seeing it over time because we grow accustomed to things not being the way they're designed to be, but because they're that way for so long, we just accept them, okay? So this series in the book of Acts is to challenge us that maybe some of us have gotten stagnant in our faith, a little dabble, do you, a little bit of church on the weekend, a little bit of Jesus kind of before brunch. And I'm here to remind you that God has designed for us to have an overcoming, God-filled, Holy Spirit-empowered kind of life. And, and so I'm going to tap the glass and rattle the cage a little and just try to remind us that Jesus came and he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I've come to turn the world upside down. In fact, that's what he says. You're going to receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you and it's going to be power that's going to change the ends of the earth, okay? Here's what he's saying. It's going to be power that can change the world. But how many know we can't change the world unless it's changed our world? We can't offer something. You, you can never give to somebody else what you don't have. You can never take someone else where you haven't been. You can never give to somebody else what he haven't experienced himself. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit on my people in the early church, and then I'm going to use that gift of the Holy Spirit in your life to spill out and transform the world. The Holy Spirit comes on you, and it's going to change the ends of the earth. It's interesting, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to be witnesses, okay? So just write this down because Jesus is really clearly connecting the power of God to the mission of God. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit with changing the world, or you could put it this way, the power of God is for the missing from God, okay? Here's what Jesus is saying. When the Holy Spirit comes on us, it ought to make us people that tell the story of Jesus with the world around us. He says, when you experience the Holy Spirit, it's going to result in you telling other people. It's going to result... In a, in a vibrant witness. It's going to change your Jerusalem, which for them was, was where they lived. He said it's going to change your city. It's going to change your home. It's going to change your community. Now, here's why I think this is important, because I think some charismatic and Pentecostal churches have thought that the Holy Spirit only exists to give us goosebumps. 
right? Like the Holy Spirit exists so I can really love that worship song or really feel good about me. But how many know the Holy Spirit comes to do more than just make us feel good about us? He comes to empower us to change the world around us, right? And that's what I love about Jesus. He's challenging the early church as they're standing. I want you to think of this. In Acts chapter 1, there's only 120-ish followers of Jesus. They're just little ragtag group, most of them Galilean fishermen from the wrong side of the tracks. They don't have a lot going for them. And he says, I'm telling you, something so significant is going to happen that the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and it's going to change the world. And he says, you're going to be witnesses. You're going to be storytellers of the faithfulness of God. How many know when God changes your life, you begin to tell other people about it, right? You begin to share the message of Jesus. You begin to give the hope of God to the world around us. That's one of the things I love about this church. They, we do everything we can to, to make a difference in the world around us. And in fact, I'm so proud. I, I probably shouldn't jump the gun. In a couple of weeks, we're going to announce it. But our VBS team was preparing to reach kids this summer and they didn't think the music for VBS was, it was not good enough. I don't know how to say it. It wasn't right. And so I don't know if Josh Scalero, is he here today? Josh, don't pretend you're, don't pretend. Come on, I, I'm old. I can't see. Come on, Josh, just stand up. So Josh decided to write a new song for VBS music. And man, I'm telling you, one of the most gifted, one of the most gifted songs. In fact, our whole team, it's for kids, but we're all in the office like playing it on our computer, like planning it, and then we're going to release it. I'm telling you, it's better, and other VBSs are like, where'd you get that? I'm, I'm thankful to have a group of people, I'm gr- thankful to have grown adults <laughs> writing kids' songs so that our kids can gather here and worship and glorify the name of Jesus Christ, who want to use their gifts and talents, not just for them, but come on, somebody, for the, for the next generation to witness, to tell as a witness to the world around us. And Jesus says the Holy Spirit isn't just so you can feel good. It's to mobilize you to use your gifts and talents to be storytellers of the goodness and grace of God. And I want you to see that on the very first pages of the book of Acts, the early church, they were caught in in arguments. Have you noticed people like to argue now? Anybody notice? Anybody on Facebook? Come on, somebody. Like, come on, just, you know, like they were doing it right in the early stages of Acts. Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? (laughs) Let's have that talk, Jesus. You know, yeah, yeah, we're going to reach our community. That's great. But question about about uh, about end times and Bible verse. How many know Christians can argue about some stuff? Come on. And Jesus actually tells him, hey, 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 it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Would you just write this down this weekend? I think it's so good. We need, to, we need to not be distracted by God's great mission to arguing over little things, right? I mean, I think this is one of the dangers and attempts of the enemy to get us to turn in on one another and, and get distracted by different things and not stay focused on the big things of reaching. God, is it now you're going to restore the king? Should we only use the King James version? Come on. You know, do you sing hymns or choruses at your church? You know, does your pastor wear a suit and jeans or some bizarre combo? You don't know what to do with it, you know? And churches get all get all caught in all this kind of thing. And Jesus is trying to say, no, 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 that, that, that's a distraction. You need to be people that are pushing the light of Jesus in the world. In fact, Jesus told us we're to do two things. We're to be salt and light. Come on, say that with me. We're to be what? Salt, salt and light. Here's what happens. Salt, isn't this true? Come on, salt makes things better. Come on. Doctor, said, doctor says don't do it, but how many know a little salt? 
Come on, bless all men. I'll never forget, Katie and I had moved to Birmingham, Alabama, where we went to seminary, and somebody for the first time ever introduced us to grits, you know. We're from New York. We had never had grits. And so I, I said, well, I want to try a bite of this grits. And they said, no, 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 you can't eat the grits like that. And I said, like what? Like, like they come? Yeah. You got it. You got it. And she started putting butter. I mean, like a lot of butter, like Alabama amount of butter in there. And she starts salt and pepper and cheese. And I was like, so pretty much grits. I learned this. Grits is just kind of a holding tank for cholesterol. And uh, they were like, once you do a, I was like, if you do enough salt, pepper, butter, and cheese, I don't care what, I'll eat some cardboard. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but how many know salt makes things better? And Jesus is saying, hey, my people are like salt. They're like seasoning. They're in the world and they're keeping it from souring. He says, but not only are you like salt, which makes things better, you're like light, which makes things brighter. How many know we're not meant to huddle in one room with all our candles, but we're meant to gather on the weekends, yes, and worship, but then gather and scatter throughout this community, shining the light of Jesus in every school and every, uh, every home and every, uh, every business park and every community place, come on, and every YMCA to make the light of Jesus available. Like, like we're designed, come on somebody, we're designed to share the love of Jesus, right? I was getting a pizza the other day at Blaze Pizza and I was pulling through on the Blaze Pizza and some guy held up his chapel sunglasses in the back and he's like, yo! I was like, yes, my brother, I will take a fix your own, you know? And uh, there's, a, there's a calling of ours to make a light and salt and hope. And Jesus tells his people, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you ought to be witnesses. Let me be real careful how I say this because I think as a church, you know where we stand. I hope you do on on essential issues. How many know we're a Bible-centered church, right? So that means with all the chaos and the switching of our culture uh, with sexuality and morals and values, we stand strongly on the word of God Man, woman, marriage, God's good plan of sexuality only in the context of marriage. You can't marry whoever you... I mean, like, we all get that, right? Uh, I can switch a sermon if we don't, but I think we all get that. But I'm saying, I think there can be a danger in the early church that we get... Or in our church, that we get so angry at the world around us that instead of shining light, we curse darkness, right? In fact, I'm concerned that some of us are more concerned about laws than the lost, okay? You know? So I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying we've got to stand on truth, but we've got to do it in a gracious way, right? We don't say, welcome to Easter, you bunch of sinners. You only come here once a year. <laughs> we can't believe it. And half of y'all we won't see till Christmas. So here's the deal. Before you pick up your kids, go to this booth and get your heart right with Jesus. You know what I mean? I mean, we could do that, you know, uh, but instead, we're just shining the light of Jesus. I, I think there's two dangers. One is to say nothing. The other is to just have this Eeyore, angry heart. But how many know we're not called to curse the darkness, but shine the light to be an agent of change and transformation? One life at a time being lit on fire by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sins forgiven, future sealed, hope given. That's what we do as a church, right? You know what's interesting about the book of Acts is um, book of Acts is written by Luke, okay? And Luke... Uh, Luke, it's actually this, kind of the sequel of his first book. Does anybody know what other book of the New Testament Luke wrote? <laughs> yeah, you're messing with me, John. Okay. Uh, Luke wrote Luke, okay? Some of you are like, and this is why I come to this church for strong theology. And uh, so Luke wrote Luke, and then Luke wrote Acts. But 
Luke is, the book of Luke and Acts are two, part one and part two of Luke writing to a man named Theophilus. And it's, he writes about, in fact, he says, in my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. And so Luke is the beginning of what Jesus began to do and teach. And then he says in Acts chapter one, this is the rest of what Jesus began to do and teach. And I was reading that this week and I thought, that's not how I would say it. I would have said Luke is about what Jesus began to do and teach, and then Acts is Jesus isn't around anymore, so now let's see what the church does. But Luke, I want you to see this. Luke sees Luke as the start of Jesus' ministry, and Acts is the continuation of Jesus' ministry through his people. Do you see that? One is to see Jesus' work only in the book of Luke, and the rest through us. The other is, no, 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 Jesus' work in the person, and then Jesus' work through people for the glory of God. How many know we continue the mission that Jesus began, right? So I'm going to give it to you this way. Guess what God's great plan is to change the world? God's great plan, you're going to love this, come on, is you. Come on, turn to the person next to you and tell them, it's you. Come on, tell them. Come on, in the lobby, come on, Scott's edition, tell them it's you. God's great plan is you. Man, this is kind of scary, isn't it? <laughs> like, wouldn't you think God would come up with a better plan? He could have used angels. In the book of Daniel, he writes with his finger on the wall. I mean, surely something other than us, you know. I know me, you know, I would find a better way. I know you, I'd find a better way too, you know. I mean, the fact that he'd use us in his mission, this is incredible. In fact, you know, it's always amazing to me that I'm even in gospel ministry. My, uh, if you ever heard my story, I've shared little bits of it. I was the most shy, introverted person in the world as a teen, as a elementary school student. In fact, every Sunday night, I would get sick to my stomach. I hated talking to people. I was very backwards. Um, in first grade, I was um, picking my nose with a pencil, and the eraser broke off in my nose. It's true. That's how deep I was going. And uh, I was too embarrassed to tell the teacher. I went to the hall and tried to call 911. It's not a lie. My mom still has uh, uh, one of the report cards from my third grade teacher, who's actually my mother-in-law now. But uh, my third grade teacher said, Brandon is making great progress this semester. He sometimes looks up from his desk and talks to other students. Okay, you know. I mean, like I was the most, I remember I was 16 years old when I felt like God called me to be a pastor. I remember telling my mom, I think God wants me to be a pastor. And, uh, you know, when your mom doesn't think you can do it, I will never forget her saying, yeah, for real, mom, you know, but how many know God chooses imperfect people? Come on. So how many know that's what he's, he's linked his plan and his purpose to humanity. And in the early church, Jesus is saying, I'm leaving. And he left this handful. They weren't, they weren't significant. We read of them as Peter and John. They were just fishermen. They, these were not like big, big deal guys. These were nobody. In fact, two chapters later, we're going to see in Acts chapter 4, they said, I can't even believe the gospel's working because these are unschooled, unordinary, uh, ordinary, unschooled men. They must have been with Jesus. Meaning they were like, there's no other ex explanation because we know these guys, you know. In fact, let me show you one verse in Ephesians. You may not have noticed it. Paul writes to the Ephesian church and says, Jesus came and preached to you who were far away, and he preached peace to those who were near. And it's interesting, if you actually study the life of Jesus, he never did go to Ephesus to preach. 
And so Paul actually says, Jesus preached to you in Ephesus, but he never went. He was in Galilee and Capernaum, never went to Ephesus. But it, Paul could write this to the Ephesians because he actually thought, even though he could say Jesus preached to you, even though it was his followers, that's how much he saw the mission of the church, the extension of the disciples and apostles in the early church as an extension of Jesus. Friends, we are God's plan A, and there is no plan B. The hope of the world is the local church. The hope of the world is God's people on mission, making a difference, trying to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world. That's why as a church, we're trying to say, God, how would you, how would you use our life and all of our imperfections and all of our humanity and how would you use us? God, we want to be an extension of what you began in the earth. We want to be used by you to change the world. I think if this city isn't different, if our businesses aren't different, if our community isn't different, then we've missed the whole thing. In fact, Jesus begins to leave them at the end of Acts 1, and they're looking intently in the sky as he's going. And finally, two angelic beings dressed in white say, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the, st- into the sky? I love this. This same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way. By the way, how many know the same Jesus who left is coming again? Anybody? Right. This same Jesus who left is coming back just as you saw him go. But, but his whole point is literally this. Why do you stand here gazing? Meaning you've got more work to do, okay? And I want you to see, we'll see this over the next few weeks, that the early church didn't just stay in the upper room praying. They stayed in the upper room, prayed, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and then went into the valleys and the streets and the community proclaiming Jesus as Lord, making a difference, doing everything they could to share the good news of Jesus to the world around them. That's what they were all about. I got, I got one or two more little verses I'll share. But if you're being baptized today, we're so excited to partner with you. You can go right out this side door in the back and uh, right around that way. Come on, let's give him a hand today, Chapel. Kim, if you're being baptized, go ahead. We'll be dismissed at this time. Family going with you or whatever, we'll go out this door right here and our team will meet you in the back. So proud of you. And uh, in just a second, I'm going to turn the service over to Scott's edition. But let me give you, let me give you three little takeaways here. Um, and you got to put them all together, and then we'll and then we'll close. Here's the first one: God doesn't need you. <laughs> How many know God can do anything He wants? Anybody? In fact, let's take a let's take a church vote. All in favor that God is big, say aye. aye. Good, we settled it. Okay. So God is big; He can do whatever He wants. But God doesn't need us. But I want you to know this: even though He doesn't need us, for some reason God decided to partner with us. Even though he doesn't need us, he decided to partner with us, right? You've heard the old preacher story of a pastor who was visiting a farmer's uh, uh, place, and he was looking through the field, and he said, oh, man, look, praise the Lord. And he, he sees the farmer's cows, praise the Lord. He's saying praise the Lord the whole time. Finally, the farmer's like, you should have seen this farm when the Lord owned it without me. You know what I mean? Like his whole point was, yes, the Lord did it, but he chooses to partner with humans. And that, this is the truth of the book of Acts. Jesus is going to work through his church. He's chosen to work through imperfect people like you and I. This is why our calling is sacred and essential. Jesus said the problem isn't the harvest, it's the workers. Jesus actually said, would you pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers out into the harvest field? For Jesus said the, the, the fields are white for harvest. It's not a question of whether or not people in our community will come to know Jesus. That's not the question. The question is, are there enough workers that want to take their stand and move forward in faith. So, so God doesn't need us, but God decided to need us, okay? So it's just a calling for us as a church, the book of Acts. 
to engage in what the Lord has for us, to commit to what God has for us, to shake off all the rusty, stagnant, doldrum, and say, God, I want fresh air. I want fresh air. I want fresh air. A few months ago, I was meeting with a couple in my office, and they said, uh, we love everything about the chapel. We love the energy, but I don't think we like the Holy Spirit stuff. And I said to them, I think the energy is the Holy Spirit stuff. (laughs) I I think I told you this before. He said to me, well, I'm going to come to your church, but I'm not going to raise my hand. Do I have to raise my hand? And I said, you don't have to raise your hand. And uh, he said, but I love to see other people raise their hand. You know, I'm proud to report he's in this room. I saw him raising his hand today. I'm just saying. (laughs) Just saying, you know who you are. Listen, all of us experience express worship. I'm not prescribing a certain way. It has to be. I'm simply saying in the book of Acts, there's a group of people that gave the present, gave their, um, their lives, their church, who they were, freedom for the Holy Spirit to work. And when I look around at our world, the brokenness of our world, brokenness of our community, the brokenness of our schools, I'm really convinced that we need more than another good idea. We really need the hand of God in our church and life. And, and the book of Acts is just God sending his Holy Spirit through imperfect people. <laughs> they argue, they get it right. Sometimes they don't. They struggle, they get up. and But it's a group of people that just the Holy Spirit is at work in their midst. And I sense that in our own church and I pray for that. How many pray for that increasing in our church? Just the presence of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't need you. God decided to need you. Here's the last question. Do you, have you made the decision to need God? Here's what I'm praying for the book of Acts is this next month or two as a church, it's a declaration of dependence as a church. We need God. We need God in our lives to be the dad, the mom, the son, the daughter, the worker, the leader, the business person. We just, I, I need the Lord. That's all today is I need the Lord. I'm not good enough. I'm not I'm strategic enough. I'm not wise. I just need the Lord. Anybody join me in that boat? I just need the Lord, right? I just need the Lord. In fact, if you're comfortable, would you hold your hands like this? God, I just need you today. God, as we open your word this month and look through the book of Acts, we confess we really need you. We need you because despite our best efforts, we don't have enough. Despite all the giftings or the ability or whatever, God, we don't have enough. and So we declare dependence on you today we declare dependence on you today we declare we put to death self-reliance we put to death self-sufficiency we hear your words my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness so we declare we need you in Jesus name how many need him today anybody need him you know the other day uh I know we don't need them like other generations because we have technology and medicine. And In fact, the other day my wife said, last week from church, Katie said, I'm going to drive your car home. And I said, that's fine. I said, but I need gas. So you're going to have to get gas. And she sent me a minute later a picture of the control on the car. It said zero miles till empty, you know. She said, are you kidding me? And I said, that's why I let you take my car, you know. Uh, uh, but I said, that means five miles. Zero means five on my car. And uh, 
But I remember the day when you used to have to watch the needle. Anybody remember that? Is that near the orange or not? You know? We got so much technology. So much. Listen, we're tempted to think we have it in our in our of ourselves. I'm just trying to tap the glass today and remind us we need more than we have, and that's available to us through God, the Holy Spirit, God's empowering presence on the inside of us, and that's what we're trusting Him for. I'm going to turn the service back over to Scott's edition. We love you guys. Have a great rest of your service. And here, yeah. What we're going to do here today, we've been celebrating baptisms all day. And so in the tank here on your right, uh, you'll see folks will come in. They'll be baptized. We'll rejoice, the Bible says, like Luke 15, like the angels in heaven will cheer them on. If you're family member or friends and you want to squeeze over there when they're getting baptized, take a picture. You won't bother us at all. And we'll sing. Our worship team will lead us in a song of closing. There's nothing like baptisms, okay? No golf claps allowed, okay? This is WWE, okay? Come on. Let's stand all over this room and let's worship. Let's celebrate baptisms together.